Welcome to your daily dose of true crime in 15 minutes or less. Please note, listener discretion advised due to violence. Today is Monday, September 12th. Friday's trivia question was, Sharon Tate, a victim of the Manson family, was married to which famous director? And the answer is Roman Polanski. So Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson family on August 9th, 1969 in California. Charles Manson was not directly involved in the murder, but it was his cult of followers that committed the crime. And um, they killed Sharon and her unborn baby. Sharon was married to Roman Polanski who is currently on the run. He has been convicted of several sexual crimes here in the U.S. And he was supposed to show up for his sentence and he never did. So he's on the run in Europe. Um, He has mainly lived in countries that do not extradite to the United States. He's also a Holocaust survivor. I find it very interesting that he hasn't been extradited and that he hasn't given himself up, especially because he has, you know, his wife was murdered and was the victim of a crime. So why wouldn't he take responsibility for his actions and serve his prison sentence? And he probably never will just because He's in his 80s. He's 89 and he hasn't returned since he was on the run from the U.S. and he's been on the run for well over 30 years. Today's trivia question is what is the name of the toy box killer? And we'll have the answer for you tomorrow on our regular daily episode of the Daily Cup of True Crime. Today in true crime history, serial killer Eileen Wernos killed her sixth victim. So she killed a total that they know of, of seven people back in the 90s, specifically 1990 and maybe even 1991. And her sixth victim was Charles Richard Dick Humphreys. Who was 56 at the time. He was a retired U.S. Air Force major and former chief of police, basically until the date of his murder, pretty much. Um, he may have died on the 11th, but when I was looking everything up for this episode, I have seen it listed as September 11th and September 12th. His body was found on September 12th. So that's what I'll go with. There aren't very many female serial killers. In fact, it's between 8 to 10% of killers in general are female and the rest are male. And there haven't been that many female serial killers in history. It's a very interesting fact. Um, She had a very abusive childhood which that doesn't justify anything, 
but they have linked serial killers to childhood abuse and trauma. This week begins week nine of the Kristen Smart trial against Paul Flores and Ruben Flores. And I have been re-listening to the Your Own Backyard podcast, which is specifically about this case, and then getting updated on the trial because I don't have time to really read about it. And Chris does such a fantastic job of recapping everything. It's not streamed live and the public does not have access to anything. Um, they don't allow recording of this trial. And I'm not sure why it could be for privacy reasons. It could be that the judge doesn't want to turn it into a media circus. I'm not sure. But <clears throat> while I've been listening to it, I had a couple thoughts. And one of the thoughts was they have two separate juries, right? And I'm wondering if with the Chad and Lori case, if they're going to do two separate juries as well. They're, for the most part, in the courtroom at the same time for most of it because there are the same witnesses and evidence. But there's evidence and witnesses that pertain specifically to those individuals. So I'm wondering if that's something that they'll do with this case or not. The Kristen Smart case is very unique because they've never found a body. And I personally, to me, the biggest reason that they actually are trying to convict someone and finally brought charges because Paul Flores has always been a person of interest is because of this podcaster. Chris has really fought for them from the very beginning to solve this case and bring Paul and Ruben Flores to justice and to be accountable for their actions. There's a lot of evidence, but because there's no body, there it's presumed that she was raped and murdered by Paul and then his dad helped him hide the body for many years. There are two things you need to know this week about the Vallo Daybell case. The first one is that the documentary on Netflix, Sins of Our Mother, is coming out on Wednesday, September 14th. It's the perspective of Colby Ryan and everything that has happened with his mother, who is facing charges of murder and conspir conspiracy of his two younger siblings. It's going to be interesting how they tell the story because it's been documented in different ways. There are a couple of episodes, episodes, I'm not sure if it's four or five, but the director who is doing it has done a fantastic job of the other documentaries that she's done, The Girl in the Picture and Abducted in Plain Sight. It's Sky Boardman, and she does a really good job. She did an interview with Nate Eaton from East Idaho News about the documentary, and I really encourage you to listen to it. It's really good. 
Nate always does a good job in his interviews. The second update I have for you this week is that there is a hearing on Thursday the 15th. East Idaho News and over 30 other media outlets are fighting a motion that Lori Vallow's lawyers filed. They want to prohibit any live streaming or video in the courtroom during the hearings. And East Idaho News, including Nate Eaton and other media outlets, not only do they feel that it's viola violating their rights to free press, but also that people have the right to know. Not everyone can, couldn't show up at court. And those courtrooms are really tiny. You have to understand that Idaho doesn't have a lot of people. And trying to accommodate such a huge trial with such a large media presence is almost impossible. But the people do have the right to know and know the outcome. They need to be able to support the victim's families. They need to know what justice looks like. And it's very important that they have access. The minute you take away things like that and privileges, especially from the media, it's personally, this is my, and I don't have a lot of those. I'm trying to stay factual in our podcast. It's something that Angie and I feel very strongly about. However, the media has the right to get this out to the people. The people have the right to know what's going on. The minute you take away those privileges, it's the beginning of censorship, with which we've had a lot of that over the last couple of years. And I think as long as you stick to the facts and to what's happening and that the public can also be involved, then that's what truly matters. One last thing that I wanted to mention before I let you go was that last week I had mentioned during the daily episode that a, one of the ways to bully someone online is to publish their private information. And I couldn't remember the name of it. The name of it is doxing, spelled D-O-X-I-N-G or D-O-X-X-I-N-G. It is the act of publicly revealing previously private personal information about an individual or organization, usually via the internet. Methods employed to acquire such information include searching publicly available databases and social media websites, hacking, and social engineering. And it's usually the reason why they publish this personal information is with malicious intent but they can publish it wherever they want to and what people do with it, they do with it. It's not illegal because they're not hacking someone's information. It's information that's readily available if you look deep enough online and everywhere else. And it's interesting how much information we leak online. Previous addresses, you fill out one of those cute little surveys that are going around Facebook half the time. You buy a house, you have a job. All of that information can be public. It's kind of scary, but doxing is not illegal at all. 
All right, that's it for your daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less. We'll see you tomorrow.